Uh, but of course, relations with the Pakistanis were at an old, you know, basically at an all-time low. You recall that Raymond Davis, a CIA contractor, had killed two Pakistanis in broad daylight in Lahore, who he said were robbing him. And uh, the U.S. government, including the president, said all sorts of false things about who this guy was. It was pretty obvious that this was not a conventional diplomat who, you know, was like this very bulked-up guy who shot two people in the street. And uh, and over time, the U.S. government had to admit that actually, yes, he was a CIA contractor. Uh, well, this played into every kind of conspiracy theory and, in fact, uh, well-founded uh, fear in Pakistan that their country is awash with CIA spies. What starts here changes the world. Well, I've got to admit, I kind of like it. What starts here changes the world. We are the music makers, and we are the dreamers of dreams. The average American will meet 10,000 people in their lifetime. I was handcuffed to another man from another tribe whose language I did not speak. Don't think. But if every one of you changed the lives of just 10 people, and each one of those people changed the lives of another 10 people, and another 10, we did not know each other. And we could not speak to each other because if we could have spoken to each other, we might have been able to figure out what was happening to us. To every politician who is taking donations from the NRA, it is because America has not invested in its people. Shame on you. And you can change the entire population of the world, 8 billion people. And if we could have figured out what was happening to us, we might have been able to prevent it. If you think it's hard to change the lives of 10 people, change their lives forever. Well, that didn't happen. And here we are. You're wrong. Are you better off than you were four years ago? You didn't know this kid! Okay, we did it! They're looking for help. We call me They're looking for help. They're not looking for more of the same. When people lose their jobs, there's a good chance I'll know them by their names. When a factory closes, I know the people who ran it. When the businesses go bankrupt, I know them. We will respond with that timeless creed that sums up the spirit of a people. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. And when we get enough money, honey, we'll bring you down. But their children were saved. And their children's children. Generations were saved by one decision, one person. But changing the world can happen anywhere, and anyone can do it. So what starts here can indeed change the world. But the question is, what will the world look like after you change it? Welcome to Public, to public Access, Access America. America. And um, <clears throat> then, of course, the drone program, uh, which was at, at its height in, in 2010. There were 122 drone strikes, the most that have, that have been in, anywhere um, by the CIA. And... Um, Relations were at, a, were at a low ebb. So Michel Flournoy, who was thinking through what to do about the Pakistanis, you know, there was a serious discussion. Shall we include them? Shall we tell them after the fact? Shall we tell them just before? And at the end, they decided to tell them after the fact. Uh, and in fact, I think for the Pakistanis were quite annoyed about this, particularly the people who dealt most directly with the CIA and, and uh, the top level, uh, the ISI director and the chief of army staff, General Kiani. But I think that in the, if they sort of thought about it later, um, if they had been told, I think it would have been problematic for them also because they could truthfully say we had no idea this was going to happen, which made them seem you know, sort of out of the loop. But on the other hand, it didn't make them complicit in an operation that a lot of Pakistanis didn't like. Not that they liked bin Laden, but they didn't like this sort of abrogation of their national sovereignty in a, in a U.S. Navy SEAL team assault. So the second option of doing a joint operation with the Pakistanis was dismissed. So it became sort of three options. One was a drone strike using a 
experimental munition that had never been used in combat. No one would tell me about exactly what this was, but I talked to enough people to realize that it was not a typical bomb. The smallest bomb the US Air Force drops is 500 pounds, and the people just, what they were describing didn't kind of accord with this, and I did it. You know, so a little bit of internet research, and it became clear that Raytheon has been developing a, uh, a nine-pound bomb uh, for the last three years, and it seems to correspond very, very much to what they were describing. Um, Admiral Mullen, who spoke to me on the record, um, was very opposed to this idea. He said, we put too much faith in our technological prowess. Uh, this is not the right way to go. James Cartwright, who the, his number two, was always in favor of this option, or at least for the public, who was, he was sort of saying, we can do this. Now, the drone strike had several, it had some downsides and some upsides. The downside, it might miss, uh, which drone strikes, and you can actually hit people with a drone and they don't die. Uh, so there was, there was that. Uh, secondly, there was the um, possibility that it might hit the wrong person. Uh, and... There was also, again, uh, the possibility you wouldn't have the intelligence collection at the scene, um, and you couldn't really be completely certain that you, you'd got bin Laden, and, and, and also this thing had never been used in combat. Um, then the fourth, operation, fourth uh, option, of course, was the US Navy SEAL operation, and the fifth option, which was always there, was like, let's just wait. Let's just kick the can down the road, try and gather more intelligence, and this is a very natural human reaction to any situation, which is, let's just wait and see. But there were problems with just waiting and seeing because as you began to operationalize the possibility of doing a raid or a drone strike or anything, you're bringing more and more people into the tent of knowledge. Now, they don't have to know that it's a Bin Laden raid, but they know that something's going on. And at the White House, for instance, there was this wonderful, wonderful things, they, they're called, um, they're called non-meetings, which are meetings where there's no minutes and there's no, you can't take a second and uh, the, the, the cameras that are on in the situation room are turned off. Um, and people were beginning to notice there were all these interesting meetings that they were being excluded from. Uh, and clearly something was up. And so, you know, there was a real concern. John Brennan, for instance, uh, began to be concerned about a leak. And if, you know, what, you know Tom, Tom Donnellan has famously said there's one way to keep a secret in Washington, don't tell anybody. So, but more and more people are being led into this. And so they had to begin planning for the possibility it might leak. Um, and he brought Ben Rose, the strategic communications advisor, in to sort of be able to explain this operation. And they needed also to explain the operation, whether it went well, badly, indifferently. They needed to explain that they, this was a circumstantial case, but it was a good one, at least in their view. Um, particularly if this operation went wrong, they needed to be able to plan for some sort of public communication um, where you know SEALs were killed or wounded or taken hostage or there was a firefight with the Pakistani military or civilians killed or bin Laden not being there or some combination thereof, all of which were quite possible. So the final meeting to discuss all this <coughs> um, was... Thursday, April 28th at 5 p.m. in the Situation Room, and President Obama went around the room uh, and basically said, what do you think? And it wasn't a vote in the conventional sense, but it was, you know, give me your opinion, um, and I'll, I'll make my decision. And Robert Gates, who had been a Stansfield Turner's executive assistant, aged as a 41-year-old case officer, a uh, 41-year-old uh, uh, case uh, CIA official, uh, was in the White House the night that Operation Desert Storm, Operation uh, Eagle Claw went wrong. Um, Operation Eagle Claw, of course, was the botched effort to rescue the 52 American hostages in the you know, embassy in Tehran. 
in 1980. And everything that could go wrong with that operation, as I'm sure you recall, did go wrong. Uh, and, and in fact, one of the reasons we have a successful bin Laden raid is because of the lack of success of this raid, because it came it was as a result of this botched operation. The four services all wanted to be part of this heroic operation. They'd never done anything like this together. It was all, in fact, I sat next to uh, Vice President Mondale at lunch relatively recently, and he said, you know, one of the mistakes that we made was it was all so highly secret and compartmentalized. A lot of people didn't really understand exactly, you know, what the operation was. It wasn't sort of, so it was, it, it people did, there, there were no rehearsals of any meaningful manner. The Navy didn't uh, maintain the helicopters very well that were used in the operation. There was a sandstorm, the helicopter and a C-130 crashed together, killing seven American servicemen. It was a complete catastrophe. And of course it made, it was a contributing, a large contributing factor to President Carter being a one-term president. And now in every meeting that happened, uh, Robert Gates would, would remind people of this disaster. And here was another Democratic president launching a special operations uh, operation on the other side of the world in a country that uh, certainly isn't necessarily a conventional ally. And um, he, he advised against the raid. Miss an episode of Public Access America? Download the SoundCloud app now on your Android or iPhone device to catch up. Now, we know from Mark Bowden's book, uh, this was something I had a lot of problem uh, nailing down in my book, uh, which came out, um, I think, nine months before Bowden's book. Um, he, Gates changed his mind, but after the president had made his decision, the president had already authorized the raid, Gates called Donnellan and said, you know, now I'm in favor of the raid. Flournoy and Brennan, Flournoy and Vickers went to Gates the morning, that Friday morning, and said... Um, you know, here are the reasons we think the raid is a good idea. But uh, the bottom line is, in the National Security Council meeting where people were giving advice, Gates said no. And, and it was a concern about the, lack, the intelligence uh, that, that bin Laden was at. A red team had recently come in. One of the people on the red team had said there was only probably a 40% chance that bin Laden was in Abdabad. Uh, others said 60%. But at the end of the day, President Obama makes the decision Bin Laden is either 100% in Abdabad or 100% not. There's no, you know, these kind of, <laughs> you know, these, the, it's sort of easy to say these percentages, uh, but when you make the decision, you're either right or wrong. Um, and at one point, you know, President Obama asked Mike Morrell, the acting director of the CIA, um, uh, why are people giving me these different percentages? And uh, Morrell said, look, it's about the weapons of mass destruction fiasco in Iraq. Anybody who was involved in that, including myself, is naturally skeptical of a circumstantial case. People who've been on the bin Laden hunt for years, they're the people who really are confident that this is bin Laden. And, and, and in fact, Mr. President, uh, Mike Morrell said, in terms of the circumstantial case, there was more circumstantial evidence that Iraq had weapons of mass destruction than there is circumstantial evidence that bin Laden is living in Abdabad. So. This is a pretty tough decision, and so the people in the room on the third, that final National Security Council meeting, when the red team came in, which was kind of late in the game, now this had all been red teamed at the CIA before, but another red team came in, and when they suddenly saying there's a 40% chance, now you know, people are giving numbers where the possibility that bin Laden's living in Abdabad is actually going down as the decision has actually been made. So then, of course, Vice President Biden uh, was against the raid. He had become a senator when Obama was 11. Robert Gates started working in the White House for Richard Nixon when Obama was 13. He'd served every president since. Uh, that's a pretty serious group of people saying, you know, 
we don't we think this the seal the seal team raid is a mistake. James Cartwright, the vice chairman of the Joint Chiefs, also was in favour of the drone strike. And then on the other side of the room, term Panetta was from the beginning in favour of the raid. Admiral Mike Mullen was from the beginning in favour of the raid. He'd actually attended the rehearsals that the SEALs did in Nevada, the final full dress rehearsal where they flew in the hour and a half flight. They had roughly the same temperature, a full mock-up of the compound uh, with one important detail wrong, which was the mock-up of the compound had chain-link fencing where the real compound had um, concrete walls. And that was a kind of important detail for what happens the, on the night of the raid. So. Mullen had seen the rehearsals. He knew Bill McRaven very well. He made a point of visiting uh, JSOC headquarters in Afghanistan every time he was in Afghanistan. And he was very much in favor of the raid. And that's interesting, because usually Mullen and Gates would have been on the same side of an issue, but here they were split. And then Hillary Clinton, who after all was a senator in New York at the time the 9-11 attacks happened, gave a long and loyally presentation of both the pros and the cons, and no one knew where she was going. In the end, she said, I'm in favor of the raid. And for her, I think it was a very <coughs> emotional uh, kind of decision. I mean, you know, she, she'd visited Ground Zero on September 12th when it was you know, still smoking, um, and uh, you know, many of her constituents had, had died in, 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 this, in this attack. And so I published my book on May 1st, 2012. I didn't know that five days later, uh, Governor Mitt Romney would say any president would have made this decision, including Jimmy Carter. And, well, Jimmy Carter made a form of this decision, which made him a one-term president. And it's not at all clear to me, you know, Vice President Biden ran for the presidency. I mean, if, if President Biden wouldn't have made this decision, President Robert Gates wouldn't have made this decision. And it's easy sort of ex post facto say, when you know the outcome, I would have made this decision too. Public Access America is on Instagram, sharing sneak peeks, episode art, snippets of the stories, and more. Search Big Brain Pod and follow, like, and comment on Instagram. But uh, that wasn't at all clear to the people in the room. And uh, as you know, things went wrong. Um, and one of the reasons that the operation worked as well as it did was the evolution of JSOC, which I haven't really addressed in great detail, but the, you know, it's a very different organization because of the work of General Stanley McChrystal and Bill McRaven and um, Colonel, um, uh, General Flynn, uh, who's now the head of DIA. It's a very different organization than it was in the pre-9-11 time period, a much more, you know, an organization that does a dozen raids a night. For them, the raid in Abdubai, from a technical point of view, was very routine. What wasn't routine it was in a 150, 200 miles inside a, uh, a country which, with which we have tricky relations. So the reason the chain link fencing is kind of important in the rehearsals is when the helicopters came in, the temperature was a little higher than they anticipated. These are stealth helicopters, which have, as far as I know, never been used in a combat operation, which makes them they're, they're heavier. Um, and the <clears throat> when they got to the compound, the concrete walls around the compound produced a kind of, some kind of wind effect um, that interfered with the stability of one of the helicopters on the raid, which crashed. And it was only the, um, the skill of the, these incredibly skilled pilots who he was able to settle it down in such a way that no one was even injured as, they, as the helicopter crashed. And, and when a, when a helicopter, I don't know anything about these things, but I'm, I'm reliably informed, when a helicopter loses power, it drops out of the sky like a stone. It's not like a plane. 
which has some you know, kind of aerodynamic lift. Um, and so, obviously, everybody in the White House, the famous uh, photograph when they were watching this, everybody thought things were going wrong. Bill McRaven said, you know, we're going to have to amend the mission. He was very low-key. Um, you know, we plan for this contingency. Um, and, uh, and, you know, they, they could see on the, from the RQ-170 spy stealth drone two miles above the compound that people got out of the helicopter. And uh, the raid happened. This is our time. To those who seek peace and security, we support you. Yes, we can. And to all those who have wondered if America's beacon still burns as bright, tonight we prove once more that the true strength of our nation comes not from the might of our arms or the scale of our wealth, but from the enduring power of our ideals, democracy, liberty, opportunity, and unyielding hope. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rain. Yes, we can. What your country can do for you, I have a dream. Ask what you can do for your country. My poor little children. Yes, we can. One day live in the nation where they will love me just by the color of the skin, but by the color of their character. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. But it ain't about how hard you get. I wanted to run out of that tunnel for my dad to prove to everyone that I what? Public Access America. Yes, we can. On SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and now. Facebook. Public Access Public America. 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 History, in the, history making. in the making. 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 History, in, history the making. in the making. Public Access America is waiting for you on the Stitcher Smart Radio app. Download the app for free and subscribe to Public Access America to get more episodes like this in your feed every day.